Hello, everyone, and welcome to the WordPress Briefing, the podcast where you can catch quick explanations of the ideas behind the WordPress open source project, some insight into the community that supports it, and get a small list of big things coming up in the next two weeks. I'm your host, Josefa hayden Champosi. Here we go. Well, today, folks, in our podcast, I am joined by a couple of special guests. I know it's been a bit since I've had uh, a guest, and so I'm very excited uh, to introduce you to who I have with me today. Today, I have Maggie Cabrera and Jeff Ong. They both are working on themes and especially the future of themes as we move into this uh, low-code, no-code, block-based sort of uh, experience of editing things in WordPress. And there have been so many questions lately about what does what does um, the, the landscape of being a theme developer turn into uh, once we move fully into this like excellent promise of user empowerment for Gutenberg? And so I figured who best to come and talk to us about that than these two. So welcome, Maggie. Welcome, Jeff. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank Excited you. Excited to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to hop right in and we will see what happens. Um, the first thing that I want to chat about, I hear so many questions and so much discussion about patterns in a lot of different places. Like obviously the work that I uh, help to steward the most is around like the block pattern directory and, and various other just like user facing tools. Um, and so I have never really been able to give a really solid answer about like patterns and how they work inside themes. And so I wondered if you all had uh, anything uh, that you could offer to our listeners to kind of help clarify, like, what is the power of patterns inside themes in the future uh, implementation of themes? I can try to start, unless Maggie, you have a... Go ahead, <laughs> Okay. Well, if you take a look at, I've been for the last couple of months working on 2022. And if you look at that theme, it's mostly just a collection of patterns. Uh, patterns as, you know, and if you read the description of the theme, it's designed to be the most flexible and kind of like flexible theme ever, dare I say, ever created. <laughs> and, I think uh, you can dare to say it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, I think a huge part of that is because of the full site editing being launched and introduced in 5.9 and also that theme itself ships with all of these patterns in it that work with the overall design, but really can be configured to um, your own kind of unique liking and um, kind of taste and ultimately what you want to accomplish, whether that's I want to make a portfolio, I want to make you know, a single page website promoting like my podcast or um, there's patterns for that kind of shipping with the theme and they've all been kind of designed and tailored to work with the typography choices at a baseline level, with the color choices at a baseline level, but can very easily be tweaked and you can kind of rely on them to work with, with the editor. And I guess kind of zooming out for a little bit, not thinking just about 2022, but like patterns as this idea that a theme 
ultimately what it is, it's, it's a collection of different design options or layout options that are ultimately presented as patterns to the user. The patterns are just a really easy way to basically say, I want, you know, this layout, like uh, two columns of text or with like some images here. It's like basically a theme becomes a way of packaging the patterns together in a way that feels like a, a coherent piece of a coherent website. Um, and I think that's pretty, pretty powerful uh, idea. I know the patterns directory is like also opening up kind of like the making those patterns pretty widely available. But I think a theme you could could be thought of as like a curation of those um, patterns in a way that makes sense. And I think 2022 is a really good example of, I mean, I'm biased, but <laughs> I think it's a good example. I, I also think it's a good example. Maggie, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I just really like uh, about patterns, how uh, it really empowers the user, even if they don't really have like a deep knowledge of code or um, they are not used to the more complex blocks. When the theme developer gives you this pattern about using the query block, for example, uh, where it lays out your post in a very compelling manner, and you just you can edit it if you want it or just use it out of the box. And you have this dynamic block that is uh, like such a big important part of your website. Like if you want to have a page where you have you have may maybe a a podcast website and you want to uh, showcase your po podcasts um, differently than your regular blog posts. So you can mm -hmm. use a different query pattern for that. And it's like really, really easy to use even if you are not um, committed with the query blog. Yeah. One of the things that I have found compelling about the this new version of themes and kind of the way that themes are planning to look in the future is uh, is a it's going to be like a super throwback. So everyone get ready for me to sound old. My my guests and my listeners alike. <laughs> like it reminds me of those of of my original days of of blogging on the web. Like I I was not I was not a developer and like even though I had this really short stint of working with JavaScript in my career at some point like no one no one actually would ever look to me and be like that one is excellent at design and fixing everything with code like I was just killer at searching for the right pieces of code right um and so I remember sitting there on Zanga which is of course now powered by WordPress I absolutely just went out and find found bundles of code that are now what we would consider themes and modified the small pieces that that I needed to change in order to like really suit what I wanted to have happen on the site at the time and they're like I knew I could break it all <laughs> really easily but also it was it was not scary to think about breaking it like it was clear how I could fix it if I really broke it the content like what I had written was separate from everything to do with the way that it was looking and so like I wouldn't destroy all of my work just because I didn't put a semicolon in the right place or whatever it was in that moment and so like this future of themes really reminds me of this a lot where someone has curated how it can look how it should look 
and you can just like add in modular pieces that will augment what was already intended, but still kind of work. And if it's not going to work, it's kind of easy to fix too. So like, I'm, I'm excited. That was a really exciting time in my, in my uh, learning of the web and certainly was formative in my career, as we all now see. And so, yeah, I think that's <laughs> really exciting. I did have actually another question that this conversation has kind of brought up for me. I have obviously just used the term modular, which no one has ever used in the context of themes for WordPress. And, and I know that there is a lot, there are a lot of terms kind of wandering around about uh, themes right now. And especially as we're moving into what themes can look like in the future. Like there was block-based themes as a term for a while, and now it's block themes. There was like this floating around little little bit of use of the term universal themes. And now we're looking at just like block themes forever. And so I wondered if y'all could give us a just like a clear understanding of these terms that had been being used and maybe are going out of fashion. Like, are they important for us to keep knowing? So yes, the history of terms around themes, and obviously even my knowledge only goes back so far, but it was around when we started doing the block-based themes meeting and trying to, yeah. I think that's where that term kind of came from. It was like, oh, let's let's start talking about this idea that themes can be completely made up out of blocks. And what does that mean? I think over time, um, it wasn't just block themes because, you know, previously there were themes and even default themes that used and kind of took into account the fact that blocks existed. So there was like some confusion there and now we're kind of back at like, oh, we're now at a, you know, enough time has gone on where we've focused on this idea that themes whose templates are ultimately made out of blocks, you know, are block themes. Uh, and to me, it's, it's kind of as, as simple as that. It's um, themes who supply a set of templates that previously in the past were collection of PHP and like various um, template tags and uh, whatnot is all transition to themes made up completely out of blocks, as well as themes that supply styles through um, theme JSON configuration instead of supplying it all kind of in raw CSS. And to me, this is this idea is really crystallizing around oh, like this is a block theme one that is really at its core supplying a set of templates and styles through a language that WordPress understands kind of natively and can uh, allow it to be configured and customized in a really powerful way. And then maybe someday in the future, they'll just be called themes again. <laughs> if we do, if we, if we do a good enough job, they'll just be called themes. But. I'm going to, I'm going to take us into a philosophical area. Now that you just put us in there, you said maybe someday they'll be called themes again. I've talked about this on this podcast a few times. And for anyone who's worked with me for any length of time, like you all probably heard this from me as well, but like, adjectives are so frequently the realm of things that are not what you expect, right? Because like you have coffee and then decaf coffee. No one's like caffeinated coffee because that's what you expect out of it. And so when you're like themes and block themes, it makes it look like block themes are secondary, which at the moment they are-ish. <laughs> but in the future, I think you're probably right. There will be a time when the modifier isn't necessary anymore because it will be a hopefully a much better way for people to kind of change the way that their themes 
work and and make it more usable for users and people who are, you know, having to manage their own site without necessarily wanting to or being able to like have a, a Maggie in the room to fix everything that they break. <laughs> <laughs> Maggie is nowhere near me. Uh, and so she's never <laughs> been in the room when I've broken anything. But I believe that Maggie on one occasion, at least has come in and helped me fix something that I definitely broke. Uh, I'm an excellent breaker of WordPress things. <laughs> uh, Maggie, did you have anything you wanted to add on that question? Or just? Yeah, I guess, um, maybe clarify a bit what universal themes are, because uh, yeah. maybe some people have heard about the term but they don't really know what they are and it's um maybe just clarify that because universal themes were born uh the term was born when developing blog themes wasn't something that you could actually do for production websites like you could build them to test them to experiment but they weren't really ready for users to use mm. so universal themes wanted to wanting to grasp the power of blog themes while still being ready for users. So the way they do it is um, they they are blog-based, like we used to call them, in, in the sense that the, the templates are made of blogs. But they are also uh, able to be customized using the customizer, which is the old way of customizing themes instead of using the site editor. So they kind of balance between two worlds, between the worlds of classic themes and blog themes, but they are in heart like a temporary concept. They are bound to be blog themes in the future, but with maybe a feed in the past where they can actually serve users who are not ready for going too long with the site editor, but they are bound to be blog, full blog themes in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a really interesting concept in there. So universal themes, it sounds like, are, are basically kind of like an on-ramp for people who are not really ready to fully commit to this for any, for any number of reasons. Like we never want to say that we know the reason that people would be a little bit shy to get started with this, but like, it's kind of like an on-ramp. It's a, a safe way to get back to something that they do know in the event that what they don't know really hinders their progress, makes it hard for them to get the work done. I think it, I, I wouldn't say that they are for people who are shy to get into the new stuff, rather mm -hmm. than uh, developers who want to embrace the new stuff, but uh, before it's even ready. Aha. So they, they really want to embrace the power of the blocks instead of doing the things the old way, but even if it's not fully ready yet. so And they still they, need to support the old way of doing oh, things. Exactly. Like being like backwards compatible and uh, being ready for every kind of user to. Got so. it. So, so mostly for developers, everyone who heard me just talking about how it was a great <laughs> thing for users, ignore it. It's also good for users. <laughs> like they, 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 if, if they feel secure on using the customizer, they can. Yeah. Well, I think that there's something important here that we certainly learned with the uh, with the adoption of Gutenberg in, in 5.0, right? Which is that there is certainly one method of helping people to adopt, thing, adopt things, which is to go like the art of war style and kind of yeah. smash their rice pots and burn all their boats. Like that's one way, <laughs> which works for a lot of companies in the world, I'm sure. Uh, but WordPress has always had kind of a commitment, not even kind of, 
has always had a commitment to backwards compatibility. And like we know that a lot of the work on Gutenberg is going to represent some breaking changes around the around workflows and around the the user experience, the interface, especially like we know that. But the opportunity to like have a thing that gives you an early taste of what's coming, but also the ability to keep kind of working in your old space where you need to, I think is an excellent, I, I think it's an excellent way to bring people forward into the future of things. I, I have never been a fan of the just like cut off all avenues and hope that they stay with you method. Because of course, like, you can't cut off all the methods. <laughs> you can't cut off all the ways people can get away from you. And and even if we could, it wouldn't be um, in line with how WordPress hopes to kind of help people through some tough stuff. Like making your first website is hard. If you are doing it as part of like an overall campaign that's supposed to bring in leads for you or generate revenue, like you don't want to necessarily play with that in a way that could break things and be risky for you in the long term. So I think these all the tools that we offer to help people kind of move forward with the technology, move forward with the CMS as it's moving forward, I think is really smart. And so universal themes are one of those things, but also not not around to stay as we move into non-modified themes, just the word themes that happen to be based in blocks. <laughs> if I've confused anyone, please email me at wpbriefing at wordpress.org and tell me how I confused you and I will do a follow-up to unconfuse everyone. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so speaking of the way that we help people kind of move forward with WordPress and with the technology, so much has been done in the CMS in the past 12 months, in the past 18 months to be able to move themes into this same future as the rest of the editor, right? So like, for folks who have not been listening to me for the last five years, you may not know this, so I'm going to tell everybody now, like, one of the pain points that Gutenberg overall is solving is um, the fact that you, for a long time, had to learn five different editing interfaces to get one thing done in WordPress, right? And so, like, the advent of blocks and moving it into more and more spaces in the CMS is intended to um, really flatten the editing experience by making the type of user interaction, the type of workflow really similar across all of the editing interfaces in the CMS. And so, um, and so themes is a natural extension of that where we can take similar user patterns and workflows and work it out into themes. So over the last 12 months or so, probably a little bit more, there's been a lot of work on the CMS to move us forward in that that is now enabling the work that we want to be able to do to move themes forward ahead. And so... I mean, this is probably our last question. Is there anything that you all want to offer to people who maybe saw themes early on or saw Gutenberg early on and felt like this is just not for me in that in that context of like how far it's moved ahead in the past 12 months or so? So you're asking like what in the last 12 months has maybe like really surprised me or like sticks out to me as like something that like, wow, look how far we've come. Yeah. Yeah. So like, if you're looking at what is the one thing that you saw in the last 12 months that changed in the CMS that really enabled something wonderful for themes, or from the other side of it, um, like, 
if someone had looked at themes or or WordPress 18 months ago, and and now they're looking at it and seeing this new and different way to do things with the look and feel of their site, like what is one thing that they should be aware of? Either side of that question. I think there's more than one thing that has really evolved during this last year, year and a half. Like the maturity of some of the blocks is astounding now. Like the navigation block, for example, uh, was really bare bones at the start. And now mm. it's full of potential and it's really looking pretty great. I would say the same thing about Bubble Styles or the theme JSON file. Like how uh, basic it was at the start. And it was also full of potential, but now it's really, really um, mature in terms of uh, how much you can do with it. Like, I think the example, the perfect example of that is uh, the work that Kel has done on 2022 with the alternative theme JSON files, where he just changing that file basically builds like a new theme with just the configuration and the styles and without writing any CSS, without changing any templates. And it's really, really amazing how that can turn into a reality. And it's so easy for users to um, tinker with that if they want to. Like it's much easier that you, than having to delve deep into CSS and changing everything in like 2,000 uh, lines of code to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I probably would echo most of what the thing that astounds me is global styles and how we can be shipping a theme or default theme with basically like 20 lines of CSS and have it be That's one nice. of them, a, a beautiful, a beautiful, like crisp and sharp, like, uh, experience it's to super use. Fast. Yeah. It's super fast. And it's, it's like, what, this is a theme, you know, I thought a theme was supposed to supply all the styles. Like, no, like it's just, yeah. Uh, and let WordPress do it for you. Exactly. And like that, that's pretty amazing to think in the last 12 months, we can go from, you know, shipping thousands of lines of CSS to none. It's like, wow, pretty cool. Yeah. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a really interesting conversation. I hope that all y'all out listening also find it interesting. As I mentioned, if you have any follow-up questions, absolutely um, send them to me via email. And I collect all of my questions that I get through the year for answering at the end of the year, mostly because I don't get lots of questions uh, that people want answered on this. Uh, <laughs> everyone just asks me their questions on Twitter and in Slack, which is fine as well. So Maggie, Jeff, thank you both for joining me. Um, and I'm sure that we'll talk to you all again soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having us. And that brings us now to our small list of big things. Last episode, I got all excited about being in the beta phase, but today I'm rolling that back a little bit. As part of our usual open source processes, a group of contributors did a deep dive review on the WordPress 5.9 release and found a workflow that needed some refinement. So we are delaying the beta. Since we are in the midst of a major commerce slash sales season, and of course, a lengthy holiday season, that delay also means that it makes sense to delay WordPress 5.9's final release a little as well. And so we are delaying that all the way into 2022 to January 25th. 
for me, the trade-off works really well there. Uh, every decision that we make in open source, of course, uh, has some balance to it. It's great for these aspects. It is less great for these aspects over here. But for myself, um, the opportunity to make sure that we have a really excellent experience for our users and also an opportunity to kind of avoid all of the chaos and hustle and bustle of the end of the year, really, it seemed like a no-brainer for me. So in case you want to learn a little bit more about why we made the decision and get some insight into the actual milestones and where, where they have moved now, uh, I'll include some posts in the show notes below in case you want to read more. And of course, if you have any additional questions, you can always ask. The second small list of big things is that the first Back to People WordCamp, I don't think that's what we're calling it. It's, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, our first Back to People WordCamp is happening in a couple of weeks, actually. Um, WordCamp Sevilla is happening in person on December 11th, and I'm so excited. I wish I were local, but I'm not. So if you are local, stop by the site and pick up your ticket. And the third thing on our small list of big things is that it is, of course, charitable giving season. I don't know if you do your charitable giving at the end of the year or if that's even part of your general ways of giving back. Um, but I can think of two or three charitable organizations inside the WordPress ecosystem. Uh, there's, of course, the WordPress Foundation, but also Big Orange Heart uh, and HeroPress. If there are others out there, I certainly do want to know about them. WordPress Foundation also does additional giving on behalf of just like the open web and open source as a whole. So if you're the sort of person who does their charitable giving at the end of the year, just a reminder that you have some options inside the WordPress ecosystem if you were trying to figure out some new places to donate to in 2021. And that is your small list of big things. Thank you so much for tuning in today for the WordPress briefing. Thank you again to our special guests, Maggie and Jeff. Um, I'm your host, Joseph Hayden Champosi, and I'll see you again in a couple of weeks.